This is Beautiful Church, a podcast where we hear about how God is putting hope and courage into his church in a time when it feels like everything else is falling apart. Welcome to Beautiful Church Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hensley, with Sarah McNulty. So we're just hanging out today. We are. And we're going to be talking about a really great pastor. Yes. And I was kind of thrown off because you didn't say my name and Uh, and you do often. Yeah. I just went, I just paused and I figured you'd jump in. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And well done. Thank you. Yeah. Good job. I take cues. Off to a great start here today. Thank you. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Today we're going to be talking with uh, Pastor Penn Clark and his community um, I got to meet Penn and even learn from Penn quite a bit uh, when I was pastoring up in um, upstate New York in the Finger Lakes region. And uh, one thing about the Finger Lakes is there are a lot of Amish and Mennonite communities, like yes. a lot. Yes. And I actually very much miss those Amish and Mennonite communities. Which because, is why you asked me to be yeah. your co-host. Yeah, because you grew up Mennonite. Mennonite. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not the reason why. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. We need a sound Uh, effect there. I didn't, yeah. Yeah, that. I know. What's the the Price is Right one? It's the... I don't remember, but I support you. You didn't grow up? Oh, you're a Mennonite. No, I watched Price is Right. That was a very wholesome show. If if you grew up in the 90s, if you were a kid in the 90s, if you were sick, you were at home with saltine crackers. Yes. Chicken noodle soup. Yes. And the popcorn bowl so that you could throw into the popcorn bowl. Yes. Yeah, the popcorn bowl right there. Mm -hmm. Some Vicks Vapor Rub. Mm -hmm. And Price is Right. Yes. I mean, those were really the only remedies that we had back then. And if your mom left, you watched Passions. Yeah. But why did we have to eat so many saltine crackers when we were sick? I don't know. It was just always the thing. It was like, here's some Sprite. Or no, it was ginger ale. Definitely only ginger uh, ale. It was like, yeah, here's some ginger ale, some crackers, mm-hmm. and some chicken noodle soup, and watch Prices Right. Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Campbell's, yeah. It specifically. had to be Campbell's. Yeah, now we've learned that Campbell's is like terrible for you. Yeah, especially yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm allergic to it. Yeah, that's, yeah. well, don't eat Campbell's chicken noodle I won't. soup. I won't. Anyway... <laughs> So uh, we're talking with Pastor Penn Clark. Uh, I just I got to meet and learn so much from him while he was in um, while he was in upstate New York. The, one of the, the things that I got most from him that I'm I'm very provoked in is the faithfulness of simple Christianity. Yeah, the dedication that he has the day in the day out, and right. how that tra- that transforms people's lives. God is moving and transforming people's lives through simple. Christianity. Day in, and it's beautiful. day out. Yeah, yes. day in, day out. That, that is really what we're called to, is to be faithful. Yes. And we miss that sometimes, I think, when we're always searching for narratives and always searching for or the big, the thing. big thing, the next thing, right. but not realizing that God's moving in really powerful ways yes. in the faithfulness of, of guys like Penn. Yes. And it's a it's an awesome story. So I'm, I'm blessed to hear, you're going to be blessed to hear this. Uh, so let's go over to Pastor Penn Clark. Uh, from, uh, what's the name of the town? Penyan, New York. I forgot for a second. Let's <laughs> go over to there, Pastor Penn. So we're here today with Pastor Penn Clark from Penyan, New York. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> now, he's saying wow because uh, I was uh, walking around today and I had this list of pastors that I've wanted to interview because I've loved what they're doing. And uh, I walk out of the prayer room here in Kansas City, and sitting in a van is Bob Sorge and Penn Clark. And I went, Penn, knocked on the window. I want you on the podcast. I have a, by the way, have a podcast, and I want you on it. 
what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. And I'm like, yes, this is the Lord. So I'm so glad you're here. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. This is just a, a prayer retreat that I'm, I carved out okay. some months ago just to be here. And well, you were been planning this for a few months. Yes. Um, I, this is my third time where I just come out just to, just for my own personal yeah. prayer life and try to get focused for the future. And uh, I used to be a, a cartoonist. And uh, a bunch of cartoonists for Christianity Today met in St. Louis a couple of days for okay. for a couple of days. So yeah. it's kind of like tag teaming those two things. Right. So, yeah. Wow. So I uh, so for context for the audience here, uh, I pastored a church uh, called New Hope Fellowship in Bloomfield, New York, for almost eight years. And during my eight years, and and that's in the Rochester Finger Lakes area mm-hmm. of of New York. And uh, it's nowhere near New York City, no matter the where. The exact opposite every, of the every state. Time, every time I tell people I pastored in upstate New York near Rochester, people go, oh, so how was the subway? And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's five and a half hours away. Um, but uh, it's a beautiful, untouched piece of America that most people don't know about. Most people, you know, you, you have no real reason to drive it's through it. It's not on the way to anything. It's not on the way to anything. Yeah. But it's precious, yeah. and there are precious people there, and my heart burns for the, just so many people there that I, was, I had the privilege to serve as a pastor for those uh, eight years. And in that process, I met Penn, and Penn pastors a church in the Penyan area. Right in it? the village. Right in the village mm-hmm. of Penyan. Mm-hmm. You've probably never heard of Penyan, but you should, because one, it's an incredible little beautiful town that you mm-hmm. should, anyone listening should vacation to, yeah. to uh, right on Keuka Lake. And uh, it's one of the Finger Lakes, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, and you have an amazing community there that I'm excited to hear about. But um, but that's our context. So we met in New York. Yes, I was the young, brash, opinionated pastor of New Hope Fellowship down the road. <laughs> <laughs> in much need of someone like in much Pastor need Penn of, Clark, <laughs> of, of people who had level heads like <laughs> Penn Clark. So so Penn, tell us your story. Well, uh, I grew up in Canada and uh, didn't come from a, a, a solid Christian background. Had, my parents are good people. And uh, um, in my roots, there are lots of Christians and lots of Christian um, revivalists and that kind of thing. But it had skipped around a little bit, had missed us growing up. But um, when I was 21, I, I had a real encounter with the Lord that just changed everything. Uh, I'd been uh, researching a uh, background for a story and I needed a pastor for my story and but I didn't know what pastors did I didn't know anything about that um and most had pastors inter- don't I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> even now interviewed a pastor you know try to find out a little bit more about it because yeah. I wanted to write my character with some realism and a librarian gave me a copy of uh cross and the switchblade and said I think this wow. is what you're wow. looking for and I read that and uh one night sitting in bed, we're newlyweds. My wife, she's got her book. I got my book, Crossing the Switchblade. And um, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm reading where Nikki Cruz was healed uh-huh. while he's given his testimony to a group of pastors. Yep. And the, a revelation crossed my heart that said, Jesus is alive in the earth. Wow. In New York City, touching people, healing people, speaking to people. Yeah. And that, that revelation, I just doubled over on the bed, wow. crying my heart out, uh, just at the thought that I, I, I had no trouble believing that Jesus was real and that he died and he went to heaven. And, 
but I just thought he was kind of up there with his arms crossed, just waiting for the time to come back or something. But <laughs> it never occurred to me that he was working here, doing something wow. 2,000 years later, just like he had been doing yeah. in the Bible. And I'd asked the pastor when I was uh, trying to find it, I said, why don't they write a Bible about today? And, and he said, I don't, what do you mean? And I said, well, why don't they write a Bible about today? And he still didn't get it. And I said, well, I don't, I don't relate to some sheik in the desert from thousands of years <laughs> That's ago. That's awesome. Right. Is there, is, why don't they write a Bible, you know, with businessmen? And that's what I was trying to ask. Couldn't get it out. Couldn't express that. But Cross and Switchblade was like reading a Bible for today. Yeah. Blew my mind. And uh, my wife had no idea what hit me. I didn't know what hit me. Yeah, what is she thinking about all this? She, her husband just doubled over in bed like he had a heart attack. <laughs> she's like, uh, are yeah, you okay? I can't even, I can't breathe. You're, you're newlyweds too, so she's yes. like, uh, okay, is this normal? Does this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, we, it was. Um, was she a believer? No. And no believers in her background at all. Like, like nothing, nothing that. Uh, she would have identified with anything. And I couldn't explain what happened. I didn't know what happened to me. I had a revelation, first of many that would come after that. But that revelation blew my mind. Jesus was alive in the earth just like 2,000 years ago. And um, two days later, he walked into my apartment and walked in. Wait, wait, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, that I was sitting at my drawing table and... Um, with the eyes of my heart, I knew that Jesus stepped into the room. I didn't see him with my physical eyes, but he stepped in the room and stood behind me and smiled at me and invited me to walk with him. Wow. Come, come follow me. And, and um, I, I had never prayed. Yeah. So I put my head on, on the desk and I said, Jesus, I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't know how to, how to do this, but wow. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you everything. I, wow. I'm yours. And uh, that that whole thing lasted five seconds, or. But it feels know. like forever. Yes, and you never forget it. And it's I've I've been living on the fumes of that that prayer, that commitment, that experience. Wow. And I the I knew I I had time to really process that since then. I would never have made that up. I had um, I moved away, had gotten married, moved to a new city. Uh, I had at kind of a little local celebrity where I was because I worked for a newspaper and was on television, that kind of thing. And so now I'm in a place where nobody knows me and, and hadn't restarted my career yet. So I, wanted, I was writing this book. And um, uh, in that time, for the first time, I slowed down and did some int introspection of my life and, and didn't like me and didn't like what I'd done, didn't like the steps I'd taken to be successful. Um, didn't like, I, I lived a lie. I lived a, a false, a falsehood and, yeah. uh, yeah, presentation was everything. And, and so, um, if I had made that whole encounter with the Lord up, he would have walked in. If he, if he did that at all, he would have walked in and said, you're, you're not fit to live. You're, you're, you know, you're a bad man. Right. And he would never, but I felt it wasn't just what he said. I, I felt that he liked me. That's powerful, actually. Yeah, it was, it was just a tremendous sense of favor. We always just assume, hey, it's amazing. God loves us. Like, he loves us, but... I would never have written that. Right. I would, would you, never have thought God that. God likes me. Yeah, he actually, a fondness. like A uh, fondness a, of yeah. you. 
You know, the wow. a verse we prayed for our kids for forever is it's because of the loving kindness of the Lord that the sons of men put their trust in him. And that's what that was, is you felt his loving kindness. Yes. And so you trusted him. Well, the two parts, I think he was working to bring me to a place to see my true condition. And that took me getting out of my, around, away from my peers, away from the image that I'd created and was living out. I had to get away from that. So I, now I'm in a strange city. And, and just in my apartment. So there was a conviction. There was a, a, a living of regret. I was feeling regret. I was feeling the pain. fear of the Lord. Yeah, feeling pain for people that I misused, the steps I had taken um, on the way up, kind of, you know, you do stuff to be successful. And, uh, and so I, that, that, that sense of conviction was at work, but then his loving kindness, his favor, his mercy, but I, I didn't just hear it. I felt it. I was overwhelmed by it. Yeah. And I led to a prayer. From that time on, Jesus was as real as you are in my, with the eyes of my heart. I would turn my head to talk to him. Wow. Like he was in the car beside me. Wow. And I just... Um, uh, did you then, that day, when he walked, walked in and you knew he was there? Or you just, did you turn to... He, he was standing, like it was one of those things where... He, I just knew that he was looking at me. Yeah. I knew I didn't see anything with my physical eyes, but I knew he was there. I knew that he loved me. I knew that he, he was smiling at me. And, um, and it was just in my heart. It was all happening in my heart, except, except that I didn't turn to see him in the room, but uh, he was in the room. Yeah. And I've had a couple experiences wow. like that since where he was very visible to my, the eyes of my heart, not my physical eyes, and I knew that he was speaking, I knew. It's only happened a couple of times since That's then, so but cool. it's life-changing. It feeds you. Yep. It's one of the things that I, I love about prayer, one of the epiphanies I've had over the years, the thing that moves me in the place of prayer is it's so simple. Like It almost, it almost kind of seems like a duh, but it's just acknowledging that God is real and present has radically transformed how I read the Bible, radically transforms how I pray, yes. radically transforms how I preach, how I lead, how I pastor, how I raise my children, how I interact with my wife, that pausing to acknowledge God is present, he's real. Yeah. These aren't stories, this isn't a myth. I mean, Jesus revealed himself to you in a real way. Yes. And sometimes we're just so... We're so uh, over full on these types of stories that we don't pause and just go whoa, you met Jesus. Like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. I, I met Jesus in a matter of seconds, and it wow. changed everything. Like, I, I, I left everything. I left all my sin. I left, I left everything. It was a total, a total change. At that point, what was your wife thinking, feeling, well, watching you change? She had no idea. I, it took me a little bit to be able to explain it to her, but I tried to tell her I've, I've met Jesus, and um, uh, I tried to explain it to her. She, she felt... She felt that I had tricked her because, <laughs> you know. Wait, I, you were one way, yes. and now you're another. She didn't know who. I'd stop swearing, for example. And yeah. I, from the time I was a little kid, we, we could swear at home and smoke at home. I mean, we got cigarettes for allowance. And so all of a sudden. I'm cigarettes not, for your allowance? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. So we got, thing. all of a sudden, my whole, everything changes. My, my language changes. Yeah. And, um, and I, no one taught you this. It no, was just that was the conviction the of the Holy I Spirit. I didn't been to church yet. And, but I knew, and I got a hold of a Bible, and I started reading the Bible. And I was sitting up at night, one night, late at night, reading the Bible. It was a new, one of those New Living Bibles. 
then and I'm reading the New Testament for the first time. I'm reading about Jesus healing people and doing miracles. And um, uh, I, I, I'm sitting there smoking, enjoying the Bible, smoking away. And then I, all of a sudden I realize I can't picture Jesus smoking. I want to be like Jesus, but I can't picture him smoking. <laughs> and, and so I, I said, Lord, I, you do miracles. I see that you do miracles. Would you do a miracle me? I tried to quit before. I could never quit because I'd smoked so long so for, for, for so many years. And um, I knew I couldn't quit. Couldn't quit and still do things like I would just be a basket case, or or I would just struggle with constant temptation and and uh, withdrawal. And I said, I, Lord, I don't want to have any withdrawal. I don't want to. I don't want to be tempted by this. I want you to take it away. And I and and I'm asking that you do a miracle in me. And so I threw my cigarettes in the garbage. And and about two days later, my wife mentioned something about smoking, and it it, it shocked me. It just occurred to me for I hadn't even thought about two it. Two days. Yeah, wow. that's a big deal. Oh, wow. it was, and it was huge for yeah. her, huge, huge for me. I mean, that was a real miracle. Wow. And then, um, how far after that did your wife turn to the Lord? Probably six, six or eight months, something like that. And they, even then, it was not with all. Her, it wasn't. I wanted her to get saved the way I got saved. Right. And and she needed her own terms and he, her own experience with the Lord. Yeah. She came to the church, like I, I, one day Jesus was talking to me and he said, you need to start going to church. And I said, I'm not interested in church. I, w- I want you, right. but I'm not interested in church. And he said, it's, your, it's in your best interest to go. Wow. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, then why don't you, would you show me the church yeah. you go to? And that's actually what I prayed. And it sounds funny now, but I, if you're going to someplace, I'll go. I'll go to the church you go to. And and so I got in my car and I said, Jesus, which way do I turn? And, and I was in a new city and I'm trying to navigate the streets. And I found a really handsome building right on the main street downtown. I could, and I remember thinking I could tell people that's my church, you know, and it was convenient and all, handsome building. And I went in and, and I asked the secretary if I could speak to the minister. And she went to get him. And, and I just, I felt bad. I just felt like this is not right. This is not it. This is not the place for me. And I ran from the building, got in the car, asked Didn't the Didn't even meet the pastor. I know. <laughs> he might have seen me zigzagging down the sidewalk, but uh, I, I, I said, I'm sorry. I, that was me. I, that was my thinking. Show me the one you want me to go to. And I got on a street I'd never been on before, and I passed the church, and I knew that was the church. Did a U-turn, went back. The pastor just happened to be... Uh, locking up, had a young disciple with him, and, uh, and, and, and I just knew that was the place. So I went home, that was a Friday, and I went home, and I, I told her, she wanted to know what I did today, and I said, well, I found a church. <laughs> so the Lord meets you, and even guides you to the right church. Yeah. That's cool. And how long did you go to that church then? A couple of years before moving, in, moving away to, to another church opportunity where I was getting trained for the ministry, but, but yeah, that so was, looking back... I didn't know the difference between Presbyterian and Pentecostal or anything like that. Yeah. I had no idea what church was out there. You were but, just a dude from Dudesville who yes. got cigarettes for allowance. When <laughs> cigarettes yes. for allowance. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, we had churches in our background in, in different ways, but yeah. yeah I, uh, but anyway, she was shocked. She was deeply dis. When I said, I found a church and I'm going to start going Sunday. She was just so disappointed. She didn't speak to me for days. Really? Oh, yeah. She just felt like 
Like, what this did is, I marry? This is not us. And and who are you? And and um, she said she's told me since you know that I treated her more loving and that, that selfishness was gone. And and uh, but this whole religious thing, a whole Christian thing, was just too far out. So I, I came home a couple, you know, I came home from that Sunday, and they had announced the baptism, and I said, "I'm getting baptized. Would you come and oh my goodness. watch me get baptized?" And she didn't want to do that. And uh, the pastor's wife was a wonderful, wonderful woman, and she she loved my wife, and she did a lot just to be normal, and and treat her normal, and answer her questions. And then one night uh, there was a service, and they're preaching on the end times, and she responded to the message. I was leaping pews. I was <laughs> I was over the moon just because I'd been six months, and it looked like it wasn't going to ever happen. Wow. And finally, but then even then it wasn't with all our heart and it wasn't, you know, I, I got, I got baptized in the spirit right away. I, I'm, 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 I'm riding the train in the Toronto leading people to Christ. I'm, I'm praying for the sick, uh, demon possessed person behind the grocery store. I'm getting on buses, praying for people. Uh, I, I wanted to start churches right away. I wanted to, I told her, I said, let's just sell everything and give it all to the Lord and <laughs> give it all away and just, you know, live for the Lord. And, uh, I felt called to the ministry right away. That that really really bothered her. Because, yeah, I can imagine. Oh, it um, you know imposed something on her that was really unfair. Yeah. So, so uh, when did she come around? She she didn't come around. I I I slowed the whole thing down and walked yeah. with her and bridged back. But it really wasn't until we became pastors of a church. Really. And in that first few months, when her biggest dread was being a pastor's wife. Yeah. And the church was perfect. They're all young people, young moms and, and uh, young family people who loved her. And, there were, and they put nothing on her, no expectations, wow. no. And it wasn't, wasn't like if you were hired by a church and you were put in as, the, you know, the we were all starting this church together. And, yeah. and, and uh, it was a perfect setup. It was perfect. And for the first time, she just totally relaxed. So her wow. biggest dread didn't happen. Wow. And she... She she loved it and she loved them and and she just flourished. She just wow. took right off and That's had her awesome. own experience with the Holy Spirit, her own experience with with uh, committing yeah. her life to the ministry and all of that uh, yeah. to serving people. That came on on her own terms. Wow, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear more about that church in just a second. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Pastor Penn Clark. Okay, summer's coming up. It's coming up. We have teen camp here we, yeah. in Kansas City at we the did. International House of Prayer. That's correct. Zach, you know a lot about that. Yeah, so uh, for many years, uh, I was the director of Awakening Teen Camp. And here. you were an amazing director. Oh, thank you. It was it was awesome. Yeah. I, so I honestly, honestly, it was my favorite thing to do was to, to run uh, Awakening Teen Camp, who's now run by this amazing guy named Josh McDonald. Who, who is wonderful. Who is wonderful. I love him. If you're a parent listening, if you're a teen listening, uh, if you know a teen if or you know a parent a teen, of a teen, yet the the primary thing that we are after at Awakening Teen Camp is helping teenagers discover Jesus. Yeah. And uh, if your teen knows Jesus a little or not at all, get them to Awakening Teen Camp because we essentially just put them before the bonfire of the beauty of Jesus and just let them encounter it. And it's it's awesome. I've uh, when I was leading it, and since for you know ten years, other people have led it and seen massive testimonies of yeah. teenagers just discovering Jesus. And 
I can't tell you how many times right now people come up to me still, young, you know, young adults in their thirties yeah. going, I met Jesus at that camp yeah. and I, my life has been changed ever since. And so, uh, I, not that we're, we're, we're promising a return on the investment of like your kid will for sure love Jesus, but man, get them here and let yeah. them discover the beauty of Jesus. So you can go to ihopkc.org slash ATC, sign them up and register them. So Penn, you were at that church for, for a few decades and then went and planted a church. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us, give us some stories about what the Lord did in those, in those few decades and what he's done since then in this church that you planted. Well, the, the, the thing that he did from the very beginning is, is he gave me a, a heart for people who are bound by legalism and people who are caught in that whole thing. And so he led me into a, a group of Mennonites, and and I became a Mennonite pastor, became ordained by them uh, to the help Mennonites. them plant churches, and and uh, did that for many many years with that group, and so a lot of our people have Amish roots or their conservative plain background. I am my my cultural background is Swiss German, but I I had never met a Mennonite until I went to Bible school and. And from there, that one of the young couples from Bible school invited me into their community, and next thing you know, they're voting me in as the pastor. And that's awesome. And wow. uh, so, almost all the people that we relate to in all of our churches have usually that kind of Anabaptist background, and and um, uh, it it's a great culture to work with. But they they were hungry for the Holy Spirit, and I had I had an beautiful. experience. And next thing you know, they're they're coming into newness of life, and that's the big draw. Wow! And and it's change it really changes things. And so, we've just seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come into baptism of spirit, newness of life, wow. and and they just they grow, they thrive. It's because in in Mennonite culture, the um, they're really strong in the word yes. and in service. And yes. so to have these experiences and express express their spirituality as an encounter with the Lord is not necessarily the natural bent right, for them right. to go into. Which so, you know, because you grew up in the Mennonite. I grew up in the reason why you're acting excited right now is because you grew up in the Mennonite. I did, and yeah. most, a lot of my family is still <laughs> Mennonite. And um, so this is exciting for me. So what are some of these stories then that, you're, that you've seen in the well, last? He had transformed my life and led me into repentance and, and had, had done such a, a deep work with the baptism of the Spirit and all of that. That whole story, my personal experience, they wanted to hear. They just kept yeah, saying. Yeah, what year was this? This would have been like 1978. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Ago, so. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. No, the tail end of the Jesus They movement. would sit and listen to that story, and they believed it. They, they, they wanted that, but it wasn't something common among them. Yeah. Right. So they, they Especially knew. Especially that they talked about. Right. That they would talk about it in an open way like that. And But they... Uh, they they related to me and they opened the door. They let me come in, and so we we would um, and it's very very homely. We're we're live, work, our whole church is in the living room of a house, and the house is like old, the old lady who lived in the shoe who had so many children that she didn't know <laughs> the children are hanging out the windows, and a lot of people packed in a little house. But I remember one time, uh, very very early, like maybe the second week that I was the pastor, this girl shows up. And she's not. She's from a, a very, very uh, strong um, conservative Mennonite background, and her hair's hanging down in front of her face. 
no eye contact, just kind of like a, 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 a ghost coming in the room and just standing there, not <laughs> speaking to us, not greeting us, not relating to anybody, just standing in the room. And, um, and we'd go up to talk, I went up to talk with her and she could just hardly express herself, just barely mumble uh, and not really, no interaction at all. And, but the, the worship and whatever happened in the meeting drew her back again and again and again. Hmm. And she would just stand there and there'd be no relationship, no act. So no, this is just amongst like the chairs yes. and the pews or whatever. She's She'd just be in a corner there. watching. Wow. But, but um, coming back. Coming back. That was the amazing thing that she kept coming back and she was attracted by the worship. That, that really seemed to be the thing. And uh, one night in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. And I know it's her, but she's not talking. And yeah. I know it's her. And I heard her say some things that this sound... This is before caller ID, so... Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and this is, yeah, these old, old rotary phones. And um, I knew it was her, and, I, and she was living out something, the, some kind of abuse that was taking place. And, and so I took authority over the power of the devil in her life on the phone, just naturally, just talking the way I'm talking now. So, it, which is just for some that you're you're praying by taking I'm praying. authority. You're just praying. And I'm telling the devil where voice. to get off. Right. That, that he's he's <laughs> yeah. no longer going to control control her. But I'm speaking yeah. to her, speaking to the enemy, but but on the phone, and and something changed. The next time she came to church, next Sunday, she came with a little bit of makeup on and her hair out of her face, and she started engaging. She started talking. So then she wanted to sit down and tell her story. And she came out of a tremendous abuse, tremendous background of abuse and um, at the hands of her, her dad. And so um, uh, next thing you know, she gets baptized in the spirit and she becomes radiant. And she's, she, she dances and she, and she greets people. And she's just transformed by the, by the power so of the So something Lord. broke when you prayed totally that Totally broke. Night. She was delivered of something that was hanging off of her. And when I sat down to meet with her and hear her story, then we just continued to pray for her, lay hands on her. But that moment on the, in the middle of the night, that one little prayer really did something. Her dad um, got mauled by a bull. And I, and I really didn't, I was so disgusted with her father uh, her dad, and that now he's got mauled by a bull, just about got killed, broke his uh, sternum, oh his, his rib cage. So I went in the hospital to see him and thinking maybe I'd confront him, uh, bring this to the light. You know, yeah. he, he's a, a member of a church, and, and uh, instead I'm just overwhelmed with compassion. I touch him, and Jesus totally heals him. Really? No. And, and he... He confessed on his own. I'd never had to confront him. He just said, I've done stuff. And he started explaining. And next thing you know, he, he, he makes heaven. He passes on. He goes on to heaven. And he's oh had totally gosh. been set free. That was so powerful. That was so encouraging. She just passed away like in the, during the COVID period. Oh. And, and the, her uh, obituary that was written by the church the, what she was that that uh, the world was not worthy of those who walk among us. You know, like they're not yeah. aware of all the special people who walk among us. That she was just a real saint who greeted people and related to people and helped people. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a story of redemption. She ended up. She got married. Had had a family. And wow. Yeah. Had a normal life. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
Talk, talk to us about your church community right now, because when, when I engaged with it, you know, you did these worship nights in barns. Uh, I think you do it every year, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a specific we event. We have done it. And, uh, um, we actually have barn dances. Yeah, barn, yeah. <laughs> well, because it's in that culture yeah, yeah, down so. there. Yeah, but, but it was, it's cool. I, I, I always thought it was so cool. And we sent some, I, a bunch of my young adults and worship leaders would go down and join in and They're help. And, yeah. uh, and they come back with so many testimonies of encountering God at those meetings. But just tell us a little bit about your church community. What, is, what does that look like? Well, it, it, everything starts, and everything in the kingdom starts small. These, these were just small churches that, and ones we've started in different places. But it's usually with a, a core group of, of some hungry young people. And uh, the way the Lord had raised me up in, in the hymn was, I've, I just believed I was a disciple just like 2,000 years ago. I couldn't say that out loud, but I just believed I was one of, uh, no different than the 12, being trained the same way as the 12. So when these young people would come, I, I just felt like the Lord said, just tell them, tell them what I did to you, how I led you, how, how I discipled you, and, and connect them into that. So yeah. they don't become my disciples or disciples of a program. Right. I, I, t- I tell them, I convince them that they can ask Jesus anything. Yeah. And, and uh, the prerogative of a disciple is to ask questions and he'll always answer them. Yeah. And uh, the, he'll, t- he'll train them to pray for the sick. He'll, he'll do all of that. Yeah. So it, uh, we just started collecting young people who wanted to be disciples today. And that wasn't happening in their, cult- in their church background, in their church culture. And I'll tell you, that was a powerful, powerful thing. And they surrendered to the wilderness times. They surrendered to persecution because many of them lost their families and the connections were, yeah. were broken for a period of time. Uh, they had to navigate legalism, navigate uh, how, to, how to apply truth today, radical truth today, and really be Anabaptist, really be radical. And that wasn't always accepted. Yeah. So we would collect these people. All of our churches have started on the, that formula where we collect people for discipleship. Yeah. And, and then they, they marry, they find someone. And so but they would come from all over the country and they'd come there for discipleship. They end up getting married, started in a family. Next thing you know, we got a church that is solid as a rock and is wow. built around awesome. fellowship and really a tremendous commitment, a sense of discipleship, a sense that we're called to do something, we're called to missions, yeah. not just sit in the pew. Yeah. It's a great way to start a That's church. That's awesome. So. Now, have you started several churches or mm. tell us what's a, tell us about that? Well, when I've, I've started, I've started some, I've started one that didn't work, but I've started several that, that really caught and took hold and get up to you know, 300 people or something. And uh, I've done that. But then I think the thing I feel the best about really is, is when the people would come from another area and it, we, we would pitch this big tent every summer in different places and have camp meetings, old fashioned style camp meetings. And they'd come and they'd say, how do we get this back home? How do we, how do we find it? How can we, how can we reproduce this back home? And so we've started churches uh, who we say, we call it well digging. They just go out and, and I help them with this and we find, find the core group of people who have been impacted by an encounter with the living Christ and the baptism wow. of the spirit and have put them through some discipleship, show them what that's like. And, and we've had some uh, good churches come out of that. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing you uh, convicted me of as a young pastor when I was in, you don't even probably remember or know this. Um, we were at a pastor's gathering at a, uh, we were part of an Elam fellowship thing. And uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly how it came about. I just 
tended, especially my early 30s, to be very opinionated. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I said... Uh, Only that. Uh, we were, somebody was talking about house visits. You know, I was talking about, yeah, I'll go visit people in the hospital, you know, as a pastor. But I was like, I'm, I'm not visiting their home. Like, uh, that's their home. That's their place of their privacy. I'm not going to do that. I, I, won't, I won't visit homes. And you came back with this really uh, strong opinion of like, actually, I do that. And I yeah, was like... systematically. We were, and, we're in and, every home. But it, it well, it, and it, it convicted me because I went, you know, I don't, I never think as a pastor that I should go serve people in their homes. I think that's weird. I should come, um, let me put on this amazing service for you yeah. and come and check it out. But really, if we are doing life on life community, that really is what that looks like. And, and it, it was an epiphany for me. I, I walked away going, I need to reassess how I think of pastoral ministry. But explain your philosophy on that, because that really convicted me as a young pastor. I don't think we can know them without being in their home. And I don't think they can know us without us having them to our house. So I would, I would go through the list of uh, the people in our church and, and we'd work it out between the pastors that we'd be in every home and, and we'd have them in our homes. And that's a way to get to know people. And it's, yeah. uh, everything changes after you've been in their home. Yeah. And they've, they've told me different times to say, you know, you came to our house. And boy, since then, we, we hear you the way we, we listen to you preaching now differently than we ever did before because you were in our home. Wow. And I think, I think there's just a, a familiarity and just yeah. be with the family and you, you're with the kids. And the kids... Uh, listen to you and relate to you entirely differently after you've been to their home. It's you're a, game. a friend now. You're not just the man on the stage. Oh yeah, it's it's it. You, you're up close and personal. You, they look at you different. Like that, we know who you are from church, or we've seen you before. But here you are in our home. Yeah. But I also found my pay. My pay as a pastor is not money. My pay as a pastor is to be in the home and have fam have fellowship with these people. And that, that wow. is deeply, deeply satisfying. I hear things or they'll tell me uh, what the Lord's been doing and what the, he's been saying to them through our ministry that feeds me, that makes me say, I'm a, I'll keep doing, I want to do better. I want to try to always hear from the Lord and bring the word of the Lord. So. Wow. I love that. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back, and I want to hear more on your thoughts, what you think God's saying to the church in America and our country in this time. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So here we are yeah. in Kansas City. Yeah, doing and a live read. Doing a live read, doing this, you know, pitch. We're just, we're just reading the script right now. We are. Here's yeah. my script. Here's right an here. ad in the middle of this amazing conversation. No, that it's the to. overflow of my heart. Yes. And actually what I'm thinking about today yeah. and what I want to ask you about is you yeah. have some courses yes. that you are coming out with. Yes. Specifically for local church pastors. So, so both. Uh, so specifically for local church pastors, there's um, some coaching materials that are coming out in terms of how to build a praying church and build your church around prayer. So you can check that out, sign up for that, but also um, how to uh, how to pray, um, doing some different courses on on the subject of prayer, the subject of devotional prayers, how to pray with your kids, how to pray That's as awesome. a family. And so uh, those are all going to be available. Um, it, it, you know, it depends on when this ad airs. They will either <laughs> be up right now or they will be available soon. But what you can do is you can go to ZachHensley.com, Z-A-C-K, I'm not a Zach, I'm a Zach. Z -A -C -K. That's actually Z -A -C -K. C -K says 
uh, Z-A-C-K Hensley, ZachHensley.com, and there will be a little uh, box that you can drop your email in, or you'll be able to buy the courses if they're there, but you cool. can drop your email and sign up, and it's going to be fun. ZachHensley.com. ZachHensley.com. Visit it. All right. Well, let's get back to this interview with probably some really awesome stuff happening. <laughs> Okay, so with this segment, we would like to ask you what you feel like the Lord, the Holy Spirit is doing in the church in this nation. And this is actually one of my favorite parts about this podcast, because I, I love to see the, the theme and the ribbon that the Lord is weaving throughout the church nationally. And so, you know, part of that is there's, there's a certain message that he has for a time, um, in, in history, and there's a certain thing he's trying to produce. And so what are you seeing and what are you hearing and experiencing that the Lord would be doing, not just in your own church, but the church in this nation? Mm. Uh, I, I, my circle is really quite small. I'm not, I'm not out there at large in a lot of places. I'm in, I'm in our own little orbit. Penyon's not very big. And, and then we have churches in different places. I am aware of some things that I feel like the Lord was doing I think what he did for us in setting us up for COVID is, is we spent the winter in the book of Daniel. The winter before COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So 2020 uh, up to March, so January, February, March, we were in Daniel. Wow. The book going verse by verse as a whole church. In and our, I, and our, I want to say we have some, while you're saying that, we have some amazing background music happening behind us because we're filming at the International House of Prayer University, which is a international prayer uh, ministry. And they have... Uh, times of worship and prayer in many languages. And so <laughs> happening across the hall is a Korean worship and prayer Woo-hoo! meeting, which well, is amazing. That's yes. awesome. But if you're listening and you're like, wait a second, there's a small sound. You aren't mistaken. It is there. <laughs> and it is uh, it is blessing us while uh, you're telling the story. So we're well, glad a little, that it's Add there. some little foundation, a little, little drama. A little foundation, a little drama, good. a little... This is Sound the last effects. segment, so <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like you know we've called up the the keyboardist to play the pads, and they're just <laughs> they're just across the hall. So <laughs> I think what the Book of Daniel set us up for was was that the the rulers were doing some crazy things and, and putting some things on the people, some mandates and dictates that, that weren't sane. Yeah. And and how are you going to navigate that so that you're actually moving in the gifts of the spirit? You're you're uh, honoring, like you would say, "Oh, King, live forever." And, He'd be honoring, but not comply, and he wouldn't comply. And and we felt, we felt for the next two years that that was the place we were in that we were to have an honor and have no rebellion in our hearts at the same time, not comply with anything. So we went back to normal very very early in COVID, yeah, and carved out a piece of normal. People would come to our church. We actually grew quite a bit during during COVID, not by taking people from other churches. We we really didn't want to do that. I've, especially if they're going to start up again before long. We didn't want to get caught in that. But there are people who knew that somehow there's a pocket of normal right. and, and, they, and they would go there. And so we resisted a lot of the, the things that were put on us. We we're very fortunate. We're in a small, very conservative place where the local leadership, the, the sheriff and the DA, uh, all were saying, go back to worship. Our yeah. governor at the time was writing a book on how great he was in navigating COVID, uh-huh. and it was terrible. It was he, he come up with con- all kinds of rules and regulations and things that just were nonsensical. Just yeah. we had to we had to say we're passing on that. We're not going to do that. Yeah. So you know, we, it's interesting though. Yeah. You're, you're sharing the three months leading up to it, and I even remember in in our church the, a similar thing where the Lord was saying certain things, and when we looked back a few weeks later or a month later, we were like, "Wow, Lord, you were." 
really setting us up yeah, he prepped us for well. helping us through this season. Absolutely. Yeah, and he was so faithful for three months into it. Uh, never miss. We, we, he, he'd wake, up, wake me up with a word from him, like what, what to share. It, was, uh, it just helped us just to navigate that whole thing with such ease. And, and, and uh, we grew. Uh, it, w it was not a burden. It was not a hardship. We, we didn't lose anybody. We didn't lose anybody. But we didn't build an audience. We built a fellowship where people, people trusted us, but also trusted each other and, and stuck together and wanted to stay together. The kids definitely wanted to be back in church. So it wasn't this rebellious, hey, we're not going to comply, uh, this stupid government kind of thing. It wasn't that at all. We, we even said, you know, well, this, this could be an end time scenario, but if it's not, let's run it as a drill. Let, how, yeah. how well are we going to do? And, uh, but we grew in every way. We grew our roots down. We, we grew in grace. We grew numerically. Our, our church come out so much further ahead than many other churches. But the churches that I saw really struggling with that had an audience and, didn't ha and had never really built, built fellowship. And, and that's one of the flavors that when people come into our church, they get a real sense of family, a real sense of these people really love each other. They're connected. So as you are looking at what the Lord is doing in your region um, and, and with that and how he's led you through COVID, what do you feel if let's bring it down to your region, maybe not nationally, but what do you feel like the Lord is saying to your region um, and doing in your region with that? Um, I, th I think this is a golden opportunity. We're being given an opportunity. There's mm -hmm. no, there's no, this is not a setback for us. Yeah. In fact, we're getting buildings that are being abandoned by, by congregations that, that aren't existing anymore. And so this is a time for us to grow and, and keep growing. So we've maxed out our, 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 where our church is and, and we're, we're started in other places. But wow. um, I think what he's just saying is, is it, it really comes down to really basic things that living out the gospel, it, you cannot do this in the, as an individual. Yeah. He, he died. If, if it was just for him dying for our sins, he would have just presented a cup. Right. Right. But the fact that he took bread and broke that and said, this, is your, your, this is, represents my body, and we really are the body of Christ. And the more we understand that kind of communion, and that's the basis of our fellowship, and that's the basis of all we do, um, it, it changes church. It changes how you relate. The churches that aren't doing well or the people that aren't doing very well as Christians are not really connected in terms of fellowship. They're not under anybody. They don't relate to anyone. They're not, they don't relate well to authority. They don't relate well to each other. And they're, they're, it just puts them at a disadvantage. And I think they'll come around to see that the things that I'm missing are our fellowship. I, I love that. I, I think, you know, as a young pastor, we have lots of conversations amongst each other about like, how are we going to see the church in America thrive? How are we going to get back to whatever, whatever, whatever? And the verse we always throw around is Acts 2.42, you know, like, how do we get to see Acts 2.42? And I think what we forget, the context of Acts 2.42 was they were on the run. Right. Like, they were only, illegal. They, they were, were illegal. illegal. Yeah. Yes. Not, not only were they illegal... Uh, amongst the Roman government, they were illegal amongst the Jewish government. Absolutely. But like Acts 4, they, they say, if you keep mentioning Jesus, we're going to kill you. Yes. And that was their denomination. Thing, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the religious people. Yeah. And, yeah. and my favorite thing is, is right after that, it's probably one of the most like 
OG gangster moments of acts to me <laughs> because they get told we're going to kill you. We just killed Jesus. We're going to kill you. And they go, Hey guys, gather around. We need to pray that God would give us boldness to keep going and not quit. You're like, yes, that's like the best fist bump moment of the anyway. But my point is, <laughs> you're right. We forget the context was it, it was in the midst of those hard times that the fellowship was the most important. Exactly. The gathering was the most important right. because it's in those times. That's where we discover how much we need each other to really be able to be used by God in those times to really see massive moves of God. That's the, that's the verse that really describes, I think, what the Lord is doing. Yeah. So they're, they're relating to the apostles' theology, their doctrine. They're in fellowship with the apostles. Yeah. Also, they're breaking bread. And breaking bread is not communion in, in that context. I don't think that's what he's talking about. You cannot get to know people on a Sunday morning in the, right. in the way our services are designed. The only way you could do that is you have to have a house fellowship. You have to be in some kind of place where there's actually breaking of bread. There's food. And you, and you say, well, how did, how are, how's your business doing during this time? And how did you navigate that? That's, I think, that's the part that you can't get in, in just being a part of a church. You have to be part of a fellowship. And it requires a certain vulnerability. It Absolutely. requires a certain uh, service and practical outworking. Because as soon as you start caring, as soon as you start hearing these stories with people and breaking that bread, then it kind of compels you to lay your life down. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then that binds you together. It and binds it, you together. And, uh, yeah. The, the verse that I keep thinking about is, is Psalm 133. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that is actually in the context of conflict, you yeah. know, where Aaron was being anointed as, as, uh, as the priest over Israel, but he had just built the golden calf. <laughs> but Moses <laughs> saw, he knew, he heard from the Lord, this is who you are, so right. I'm going to call you out, even though you're in compromise and sin, like majorly, not like minor, like whoo, big time. Um, but says I'm gonna, the people made me do it. Right, right. the people, uh, total excuses. <laughs> Blame shifting. Um, but the, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you out and, and anoint you. And you do that in the context, you go into someone's home, you see how they run their life. You see how they relate to their family. You see how they relate to their wife, to their spouse, all you know, of all Huge. of that. And you can see in their brokenness, you can call them out. This is who you are. And the theme that I keep hearing from you too, is like the gentleness and loving kindness of Christ in that. And when, when you see people in their vulnerability in the place of the, the context of their home, and then you can also respond in loving kindness because you've experienced that from the Lord, that is a life-changing yes. encounter Yeah. where then you can then give that to others. And it's not a strategy. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's, we want, I'm hungry for fellowship myself. And the people we, we tend to gather are hungry for fellowship and they want real fellowship. They want to be, they want to know and be known. Those two things, to know and to be known are the two primary ingredients of fellowship. Yeah. And you can't get that from the pulpit and you can't get that in church per usual. It's going to require being together, doing something, breaking bread. And so the barn dances, the barn dances and, and those kinds of things, we just have a hoot with, we, we find lots of different ways that, where people are just together. And so when people come into our churches, they do feel that something is different there and there is something, a bond. There is something in the air that is very, very different. Yeah. And I think it does go back to Psalm 133. The first time I experienced that was, was we were giving away uh, a ministry and the Lord, 
it was so sweet. The meeting was so sweet. Every aspect of it, the service, the way people conducted themselves. And I went in and I said, Lord, what, what is it that I'm feeling here? This is, this is so different. He said, this is, uh, I commanded a blessing on your meetings because everyone had one heart to serve and to yeah. give. So he said, what you're feeling is, is I've commanded a blessing. And it's that sweet sense that you, it's, it's beyond just a well-organized meeting. It's, it's that you don't want to leave. No one wanted to leave those meetings. So our services and our, our, our gatherings, there's just a sweet blessing. There's a wow. sweet presence. Yeah. There's a sweet, people just come and say, we don't, we don't feel this just everywhere. There's just something about it. You know, the, this, I'm hearing a chorus in my head right now of combined us together in love while we wait. And I feel like that is mm. the, the waiting for the return of Jesus, <clears throat> that in the context of pressure, in the context of what's going on, that he would bind us together in love. And I'm even thinking back to the story of your wife's uh, conversion, where she's hearing the, the, you know, the end of the age message. And she's like, oh yeah, I need to give myself to this. And it's like, yeah, while we wait, Lord, bind us together. And I, I think what I, the theme I'm hearing from you is, is him binding us together in love and laying our lives down for each wow. other, which is the picture of the Trinity. Yeah. Yeah. And it it, is. It's, it's, it's not building an audience. It's right. building a fellowship. Yeah. And it takes the Lord to bind it together. And it always starts small. We go through hardships. We, we get stuck together. We bind through thick and thin. We're committed to each other. Boy, that's a great, that's a great ingredient to build yeah. a church yeah. around and 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 when i go everywhere i go and i get into our, our different churches even we have one in portugal even i get there and i think boy it feels the same these are the same people they have the same mindset it's not a mennonite thing it's it's it, the spirit of the lord it's the spirit of the lord yeah, yeah. that's so good wow i i wanted to share this just because kind of goes along with what you're saying i've always it's about the unity of the body of christ ephesians 4 um, it's been kind of when I, 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 when I think of what a church should be, I always think of this because it's Paul telling them how to walk worthy of the calling uh, that, you know, we know that we've been called. Here's how you walk worthy of it. And it's everything you're describing. It's the, that you would walk with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing one another in love to maintain a spirit of unity in the spirit of the bond wow. of Jesus. Wow. I just, I want to go to that church. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I, I feel just as we close, I just, I, I feel so filled with courage when I have these conversations because I, I am a very pessimistic person about the church in this time. In fact, I'm probably the worst person to be doing the beautiful church podcast. That's why he wants you to do it. But <laughs> because, I, because I look at the church and I go, we have so much ground to make up. But it gives my heart courage to know that in Penyan, New York, in the Finger Lakes area, where and, and if you don't know where the Finger Lakes is, you really should look it up. It's amazing. Cuyahoga Lake is absolutely stunning. And it, it, but in this mostly unknown place, God has raised up a church, a community, a fellowship of people that when the Son of Man returns and comes to Penyan, he will find faith on the yeah. earth. That is absolutely beautiful to me. And so thank you. I just can I I just want to say thank you. I mean, since 1978, thank you wow. for serving. Thank you for plowing. Thank you for leading and being faithful. It 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 I takes courage. I just want you to be proud of me. Yeah. I mean, Amen. I, he's, he drew me to himself and told me to follow him. That's Yeah. That's won my heart. 
Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That's thank amazing. You. Thanks for the encouragement though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for sitting with us. I, this was, I could, I could hear your stories for like another couple hours just cause <laughs> they just, they're, they're so cool. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining beautiful church podcast. Make sure you like subscribe, do all those things you're supposed to do. All of them. And we can't wait to have you back next time. It's going to be good.